The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is yours truly, Cameron Fry, His Girl Friday, coming at you live. It's a Tuesday night here. It's a beautiful night here in White Bluff, Tennessee, around 8.30 as I cut this. It's been a heavy day, a raw day. I do think there's value and worth in recording these, even when you feel emotional, when life comes at you hard. While we talk about vocational matters with on the His Girl Friday pod, what's weighing me down right now is more outside the office and more in-house, in-family. Uh, we received some bad news today. Uh, medically in nature, can't disclose the specifics, but just know that that's context. That's back burner. Again, I don't need to get it, but just pray for my family in this time. That's all I ask. Sometimes you're just trying to keep it together. And again, it's good to press through, persevere. You know, I, I had it on my agenda. I had it on the calendar to cut a pod tonight. And I'm going to stay true to that commitment because I love creating content and I love diving into this space with you guys and following the Spirit's lead. Uh, there are times where I'm in the Word and it's just me and Him. There's times I'm in the Word. It's like, I got to write something about this. I got to uh, tell the world what the Holy Spirit is revealing to my heart. And you guys out there, same thing. You're, you're wired the same way. There are times where God's going to give you something to speak. And it's good to be obedient to, to share that and tell the world that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Romans 12, 18 through 19, that is where we're camping out tonight. And I'm going to start with a story and then proceed to go through the typical SOAP format. If you are not aware of SOAP, it's an acronym. stands for Scripture Observation Application and Prayer. It's a very powerful tool. I used it in youth ministry for almost a decade, and it was a highlight of my youth ministry tenure. To be honest, really impactful. And it's great to see the kids, now young adults, who uh, continue to use this in their own lives. Uh, and I think as vocationals, as marketplace leaders and ministers, it's important we tap into that SOAP Bible study every now and then. And that's why my goal is every quarter to at least give you one SOAP study. The general commitment to you guys. And uh, so Romans 12. And, you know, the Romans Road, uh, so we're past that. Romans 8, very popular. Romans is deep. It's generally not a place you have beginners, rookies in the word, uh, go to, because Paul is, uh, he doesn't hold back. But for these two verses, we're going to filter them through, again, a vocational marketplace lens. How do we troubleshoot some difficult client slash colleague situations, some challenging business affairs. It looks different for everyone, but how do we navigate troubled waters with difficult people in a way that we can discover beauty and silver linings in what we're going through, what we're experiencing? Not just in hindsight, lessons learned, but in the moment, proactively, living on purpose with intentionality, how do we yield to God and not take revenge and retaliation? Uh, surrendering to God in the form of 
take care of this, Lord. I worship you. I give you glory. Take care of this because I know that for me to act in any way of my own volition would be unauthorized and out of bounds and not right. <laughs> it would be out of alignment. How do we stay aligned when we're getting judged and you know we're caught in backfire or crossfire? That's where we're at tonight. So just so you know. All right. So not long ago, I was on the phone with an obstinate client. He was a stubborn deer in the headlights. I made every attempt to lead him to clarity. The nature of my role, I try to keep phone calls centered around 15 minutes. Sometimes they have to go longer. Sometimes when you're on the line with an EGR client, and by EGR I mean extra grace required, <laughs> you know, there are times where you just have to surrender and, and punt your hopes for the call and your intents for the call. Just like what matters is the client is served and has the awareness and the knowledge that he or she needs. With this guy, I'm trying to give him generic overviews, timelines, next steps, how to discern and provide relevant information that works. And, you know, there are times where I have to put on a mini consultant hat. I try not to consult too much because we have specialists and experts where we work uh, who, who are meant to go deeper with these clients. As a CSM, my role is to serve as their air traffic controller. Uh, but some clients, they don't know that. And even when you specify the roles, they still want you to be the jack of all trades, a Swiss Army knife presence. Can you just answer every question as if you are Mr. Jeeves himself? <laughs> you are my Google search engine, Mr. CSM, Mr. Cameron, man. Tell me what I want to know and what I need to know. And there, you know, I can only go so far. So after 20 minutes of verbal tennis with this guy, our conversation, it's locked at deuce. <laughs> the writing's on the wall. Uh, you know, the no call to action or motivational strategy was going to move him. And I started to feel a little defeated. Accordingly, I, I did my best to build value around the next best step. And then, okay, well, I got a call coming up. I got to make this 11 o'clock, uh, so I'm, I'm guiding this call to a landing. I'm doing whatever I can, sticking with the air traffic metaphor, I'm trying to bring this plane down. That's actually sounded terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to guide, yeah, this plane to a landing. When I suddenly heard the following from the client, do you advise I do this? And in this context, in this case, it was a necessary inquiry, and one rarely sprung on me so late in the game. With match point in sight, I summoned my best response in the moment. The lead off was this, as far as it be with you, flowed organically. Scripture incarnate and within, <laughs> coming out like gravy. A few seconds later, you could sense the shift in momentum as if this sentence, this clause really had come, you know, somehow turned the tide. And finally, the silence is pierced, and he says, you're right. I'm not going to tell you what I said, but I'll tell you what he responded with. And he said, you're right. While I had considered that, I just needed to hear it was possible. And before you knew it, we were on our way. 20 seconds of insane courage pressed against 20 minutes of desperation trying to get there. 
And for those who are in the client care customer service arena, you know, sometimes you just have to shake your head and shrug your shoulders and be like, you know what? What matters is that we got there. Part of me wonders why it took a 20 minute carousel ride <laughs> trying to find this sweet spot, this landing spot, but I left feeling more encouraged than not. We, we got there and that's what matters. And I'm fast forward to today, I'm still processing this happy ending and the clause that made it happen. And given the scriptural implications, I want to use a story, kind of piggyback off of it to help us understand Romans 12, 18 through 19 in a, in a fresh light. How could we help our customers know what they can do as far as it be with them? So we're going to bounce between message and NIV tonight. So Romans 12, 18, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone if you've got it in you. Get along with everybody. That's the message. Observation. Let's be honest with ourselves as we digest this verse. While God created good in everyone, we seldom see it in our anonymous interactions or with our day-to-day calls with people we maybe speak to a couple times a year. Perhaps the occasional flash or two where we see something positive in a business partner, in a colleague, in a client, but generally nothing more due to limited exposure. The hustle of busyness, the lack of physical engagement. There are plenty of veils and walls in our work, especially in this day and age where technology is at a peak. In a marketplace context, this is especially true when dealing with difficult customers and colleagues with the, well, the number of, again, I mentioned earlier, walls and veils, uh, while there's a surplus of them, discovering the beauty in everyone can seem like blind faith. Not all the time you're going to see it, so you just take it, you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, I don't see it, but it's there. I'm sure it's there. I'm just not experiencing it right now. Right now I'm getting the bad side of the client. I'm sure there's a good side somewhere. You try and give them the benefit of doubt any way you can. However, when we filter this verse through a vocational lens, we can find joy in blessing all people under our breath, if not through direct encouragement, which I would say if you could do it directly in a way that's tangible, go for it. Don't hold back. Why not conceal your compassion, your generosity, your authenticity? Why hide under a bushel? No, let your light shine, right? But a lot of times when we're feeling the pressure, the pressure cooker, if we're feeling the heat, when a client is gossiping behind our back, well, sometimes it happens, uh, or rather just bad-mouthing, is just expressing and venting, and you know, they want to be heard, but they have their own agenda. They want to feel like a king or a queen. In the moment, you're just your servant, you're an indentured servant, um, or rather a slave, you know, here's the thing. I am here to serve you, yes. I'm not here to be your slave. There's a difference. And my role just happens to be one that's misunderstood and often abused. I don't say often abused, but sometimes. Occasionally it's abused. And so I find myself not everyday annoyed, but if I'm not careful, I can get easily annoyed with people. Over time, the skin has naturally thickened. And I don't just say that 
as fluff. I say that because this, you know, that's a praise report to God and His work within me, yielding and relying on the Spirit, seeing worship as work. A lot of what we've talked about, blending it together in the moment, and ninety-eight plus percent of the time, I'll just say ninety-eight percent of the time, I feel like I got the right head on my shoulders when I'm talking to clients. I have the mind of Christ. I feel like I'm verbally communicating the best of my ability and the heart's in the right place. Now, 2% of the time, there's, you know, that's where things get a little murky. We make mistakes. We're human. And a lot of times when we're dealing with difficult people, we have to, they almost are just, they don't even let us finish our sentences. Those type of people, it's hard to directly encourage, but find a way to encourage them and to declare blessings and prosperity, uh, providence, that God will align them ultimately, we may be seeing the worst of. And to be in client cares oftentimes is to see the worst of. And just to, you have to believe, in, even if it seems like blind faith, that you know there really is the, a radical good that they're accomplishing through their charitable mission. But driving it back home to the scripture, when we encounter antagonism, regardless of how it looks like, we could promote harmony as peacemakers in the opposite spirit. As Paul later says in verse 21 of Romans 12, we champion goodness and generosity not by what happens to us externally, but the light we carry internally. Accordingly, if your goal is to be reactive, then you cannot be proactive in seeing the silver linings and challenging people and situations. My thought is, when we go into work each day, why not center our hearts and make up our minds to get along with everyone? We're not just striving, and it's not just a general aim, but we're, we're preempting each day on our commutes. We're finding still times before we work. Lord, as far as it be with me, I'm going to get along with everyone and see the good in everyone and discover the beauty in everyone. But you're going to have to illuminate that vision. <laughs> because if you've got it in you, it's because you've given it to me. It's what you've planted and what you're growing in me. So I don't take any credit for it. But I'm going to use my free will to make up my mind, not just in the moment, but before it happens, even before the challenge situations get there. Some days you should be like, you know what? I have a feeling it's going to be a rough day. You know, some days you can see coming. It's, it's going to be a rough one. But I'm going to get out ahead of it. And that's what I'm encouraging you, the listener, to do. Get out ahead of your days. Make up your mind to get along with everyone. After all, we don't commit to these calls before. We, we don't commit to these calls because they're easy, but because we have the ingredients to season our settings with hope. We are salt and light. All the more reason to say, thank you, Jesus, during the dial-ins and commutes of life. Scripture 2, don't insist on, this is verse 19 of Romans 12, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. That's the message. NIV says this, do not, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Leave room for God's wrath. It's so interesting. You know, I'm thinking about he who has an ear, let him hear. And also I'm thinking somehow of the nativity story at the same time. 
There was no room in the inn for Jesus. And then even certain Psalms that preview this idea, this truth that Paul is saying here. Sometimes we get so preoccupied by the distractions of life, we don't carve out that space. And I even alluded to that in my previous observation. Carving out space in the stillness of the morning, before finding time before you go to work to declare not just positive vibes, but truce. God, I believe that you're going to do this today. That's an example of making room for God. But how do we leave room for God's wrath? That's a unique angle to take and to think about. So observation number two, and this is really my last one. There's, there's scripture one, scripture two, observation one, and observation two. In a fast-paced culture, timing and timeliness, they're not the same thing, are everything. At least that's what culture wants us to think. And to be fair, in a client care context, this makes sense. Many times, the pathway to blessing a customer is to honor their time with a mixture of best practice and efficient decision-making. So many roles out there. You can't get away from those two things working together. But what about when clients delay the help they crave through impatience, procrastination, obduracy? Again, I, you know, my client was stubborn and, and obstinate for the vast majority of the call, but then things switched on a dime because I decided to phrase something as far as to be with you, and it's like it resonated and clicked with him. Now, that's one example, but overall, what do we say? What do we do when colleagues or clients insist their way or the highway? Is there a holy solution to good riddance? <laughs> I work in sales. How many times... Have I said good riddance or thought of it, you know? Okay, this is not working out, but I'm not going to fear or be anxious about potentially losing a client that is ultimately good riddance because God's going to provide another client through the turnstile who really needs us and has a better attitude on their shoulders to match the well-being and their charitable mission. A lot of times we say good riddance and it's not from a pure heart, but there's a way to at least... You know, good riddance in the sense of leave room for God's wrath. Okay, now we're on to something. So in a single word, yes. Is there a holy solution to good riddance? Yes, absolutely. Most certainly a way in Romans twelve nineteen hints at the answer. Whenever we're inflicted, or I suppose I should say afflicted, in a way worthy of judgment, when we are sinned against and wronged, we have an opportunity to let go and let God handle it. Simple enough, but harder to execute in real time. Far too often, our offense disables our compassion and grace in the moment. The potential compassion and grace. We miss the mark. We miss the moment. It doesn't mean we can't come back and make things right, but, you know, so then we're kind of on our heels in repentance mode. And that's, repentance is a beautiful thing in itself, but if we could avoid sending ourselves, you know, retaliating, judging, matching sin with an eye for an eye, and getting into that secular nonsense, you know, we can enable compassion and grace by surrendering to God, by getting ahead of it, saying to God, with the heart of worship, I'll take, you, you take care of it. It's not that I'm, you know, it, it sounds passive and like we're deferring, but so often than not, God, he entrusts us, yes, but he also is aware of our limitations or weaknesses. Uh, there are plenty of times every day where 
we just have to be like, God, as far as it will be with me, I'm going to get along with everyone, but there's so much outside of my control. I don't want to cater to the temptation to take it into my hands and to basically say, forget you. I got this and I really don't. And I'm just in that place of striving at that point, and I'm in, you know, it gets messy quickly. When we apply verse 19, Romans 12, we can make room not only for God's wrath, his love manifests through justice, but for our care to be centered on the person, not their grievance. That is, again, easier said than done. But offense just never takes you where you want to go. Offense, you know, it feels good in the moment, but it wears off quickly. It's like a buzz, and you know, it's the buzz being you having, you know, doing something or saying something that proves that a shadow of a doubt to the person who offended you, you are not happy with how they're acting. And I drive that way, you know, kind of a random segue. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I kind of drive aggressively and easily offended sometimes where if someone does something stupid, if it's, if it's egregious enough, I will honk. More often than not, I turn on my brights. I use my lights to communicate my dissatisfaction. And it's not exactly retaliation, but I so want them to know that they have done something stupid and that I'm not approving of their drive methods. Get your head on straight. Super passive, aggressive, and uh, not really proud of that behavior with me. We all have issues. At times, we talk about theology of the road. As far as to be with you, center your care on the person, not the grievance when things are going south. When you sense that, you know, the person on the other side is frustrated and it doesn't seem like there's anything you can do to make it right, they're just going to nag you and, and just try to weigh you down with their natter and they're just trying to be heard. But there's a time, you know, where, okay, no, they're, they're really trying to sink me here. There's almost like this agenda that, you know, they're trying to paralyze me almost where it's not just you being heard because I, I, I've proven that I'm listening. I, I've proven that I've heard you and that I'm doing everything that I can. Now you're just wanting to be difficult to make up for something that I maybe mistakenly did. Maybe you took offense at something I did and it wasn't intentional. But just like me on the road sometimes, you're basically keeping the brights on at all times. If you can relate to that one way or another, don't waste time trying to make things right in your own strength, you'll only burn out in frustration or overstep an, an unauthorized boundary. Instead, trust God to take care of the consequences as you bear results through meekness. Put another way, don't consume yourself with unassigned fire. Rather, pay it forward with humility and kindness. Watch God win your adversary over. It's not a guaranteed recipe. There will be times where you're just going to lose people. But more often than not, it's they have chosen to be lost. <laughs> it's not that you couldn't win them over, that you messed up, that you missed the mark. A lot of times, though, God is going to help you win your adversary over because he's not only planting, he's stewarding, he's facilitating, he's cultivating a harvest of virtue, of fruit, active and seasoned for such a time as this. You have it, and more often than not, people are going to respond to it. And just, when in doubt, pray. I've, I say it often, but when in doubt, just pray for them. And even if it doesn't change them right away, it's going to change you. And why wouldn't you want to change for the better? Why wouldn't you want to change 
your culture, your environment, influence it for the better. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Bottom lines one and two. And I probably should have mentioned the bottom line one earlier, but here are the bottom lines for each of these scriptures. Start with, with Romans 12, 18. The bottom line says, As you follow Christ's example, live a life controlled by the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Inspire peace and mutual upbuilding, Romans 14, 19. Bottom line two from Romans 12, 19. As you trust God in trying situations, make room for his justice and reconciliation to prevail. Finally, we've come to the prayer with the 20-minute mark on the dot here, or just about, give or take a few minutes. I'm going to pray over us, and then we'll be done. Father, we come before you now. We thank you for creating in us hearts that desire good and godliness, for upwelling thirsts for righteousness in our workplaces. However, we also confess we're not always consistent in acknowledging your beauty, let alone the beauty you've cultivated in others within the mundanities of life. For those who may be struggling with offense, desiring retaliation in self-gratifying ways, refresh their hearts now to know your wrath is pure and able to permeate the darkest chaos. Help them be still to know your presence as they leave room for your wonder-working power. As for the rest of us, center our desire for influence, excellence, and resolution in a supernatural satisfaction that only comes from abiding in your sovereignty. Regardless of where we're at, what circumstances we're facing, help us exchange our lust for control for our trusted surrenders, and all we commit our hands and feet to may the fruit of our effort be blessed for your glory's sake. Amen. All right, guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you spending time, whether you're on the road, you're on a commute to work, or you're just leisurely laying about, enjoying the refreshing summer night air, be the virtuous ambassador, be the champion of God's peace and grace. You're a peacemaker, you're a difference maker, you have it in you because God's put it in you. As I always say, you got this, and I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.